Hello, and welcome to the Department 12 podcast, where we talk about everything IO psych. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Butina, and joining me today is Dr. Andrew Holter. Congratulations on your recent dissertation defense, Dr. Holter. How does it feel? I don't know what to do now with all my time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that feeling pretty well. We're going to come back to your dissertation in a minute, but I wanted to ask about your background. I know you work in the field of public safety. How did you end up there? I really started out here in high school. I got involved in local emergency services. I became a volunteer firefighter, and I've been attached to it in some way, shape, or form ever since. So although my interests academically have shifted over time, I still find myself even right now working for a municipal government as the administrator of a fire department, but I'm certainly able to do a lot of IO psychology things in this role and in this space where there's just not that many of us doing that kind of work. What don't we understand about that world? It's sort of culturally encapsulated to itself. Being a, a firefighter myself, we tend to think of ourselves as this unique breed that regardless of any other background fact, once you become a firefighter, you like join an exclusive club mm. uh, and you know secret things now and you're part of this association. And I think it's tough for the fire service in general to accept things that are different you know, the common saying is that hundreds of years of tradition unimpeded by progress. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so now as IO psychology does become a, a growing field in the United States, and there's a lot of good things that, that we do and know that we can bring to the fire service, just trying to be able to communicate the value of those academic findings and those research-based findings to the fire service probably tougher or just as tough as it is in any other setting or field because of our culture of tradition and we kind of know better than anybody else on how to do everything related to being a firefighter. It's similar it seems like to the military in that sense that regardless of your identity going in you pride yourself joining this elite group. The, the military comparison is accurate. The, the fire service agencies are structured like a paramilitary organization. They're very top chief officers and, and a whole bunch of ranks in between to the frontline staff, a lot of chain of command structures and things like that. So it's perhaps a lot more unique than a lot of agencies in the private sector are. Absolutely. So we're here today to talk about your dissertation, which was titled, and I love this title because it's so clear, Does Self-Efficacy, Grit, and Job Satisfaction Predict turnover attention amongst new registered nurses. I love a title like that because I know what I'm getting. And I've read your dissertation. It delivers what it says on the tin. Congratulations on that. But let's start with some basics for new listeners. We're trying to figure out whether three different variables predict turnover intention. So what is turnover intention? That's a great question. And when I started this, I, I struggled with uh, defining turnover and turnover intention really a tough thing to measure. I was able to find one validated measure out there that did measure turnover intention, and it was short, just good. Mm -hmm. We certainly don't like giant long surveys. Uh, yeah. People tend to quit them. And so um, to that turnover intention was really looking at a, a scale that assessed the likelihood of whether somebody would or would not quit their job in the next six months. Hmm, interesting. Why was turnover intention more manageable than measuring turnover? I would love to have gotten into actual turnover decisions, but being able to find those people who have left their employers and ask, hey, you left, why? Right. To me, it, it looked and sounded and felt like more of a qualitative 
design. And if I was still in school, I would be doing that right now and, and asking that exact question of people who have had the, the, the lived experience of being a, a new nurse and leaving their employer. And I'm really after that quest to find out what things didn't go right for them. Turnover intention it means what it says. We have to operationalize it in a particular way. And it sounds like for this study, it was this would leave in six months kind of thing. Job satisfaction is, I think to most listeners, it is what you think it is. And, and self-efficacy is more or less the belief that I can do something. So I have high self-efficacy for you know, running a podcast and I have low self-efficacy for, you know, brain surgery. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. One researcher put it, it's the, I think I can, but it's definitely specific to the task at hand, uh, as you alluded to. And so we've got self-efficacy, we've got job satisfaction, we know what turnover intention is, and now we get to grit. Grit's one of the, the predictor variables you explored, and it's kind of a controversial construct, isn't it? It has been, yes and much newer on the scene than the others. Can you share a little bit about what you found in your lit review? Understanding that you probably got started a little before, you know, this controversy was in full swing, but what did you find out about it? What is the argument against grit, so to speak? There's definitely a lot out there now today about the validity and then the two subscales that make up the, the grit construct as the scale stands today, which is a, a passion <laughs> construct that there's a passion towards that goal or whatever that individual is working towards. And then there's a persistence or perseverance that regardless of obstacles or challenges that come my way, I'm going to persevere through them. There's been a lot of debate over whether it truly is two subscales. The scale itself has some issues with questions that might be asking the same thing numerous times. There's been a lot of holes in it since the time that I started down the road of using that and getting that study approved by the IRB at the college. I share research on LinkedIn, usually once a week, usually around Thursday. It is something I like to do every week as part of my own professional development. And it's kind of fun to share stuff on LinkedIn because you get so many perspectives. One of the perspectives I got when I shared Andrew's dissertation was this kind of pushback against grit. My thought about it is that you know, the, the main area controversy, at least as far as I can tell, is, is grit truly its own construct or is it a combination of constructs we already know about, like conscientiousness and so on? For the purposes of your study, I think it's not terribly relevant because like, hey, let's say grit isn't really its own thing and it's really conscientiousness and something else or, or grit isn't what we thought it is. We're, we're still measuring something, even if that something isn't, you know, the, the variable name that we'll use five years from now or 10 years from now, whatever it is that we think grit is measuring, it did have a relationship with turnover intention. So I guess let's start there. You had a lot of hypotheses, but what was your specific hypothesis related to grit and turnover intention? Yeah. So I, my, my thought process was that grit would act as a resource and insulate workers who were subjected to pretty stressful work environments. And obviously that of being a new nurse, new registered nurse at that would be a is a well-documented stressful work environment my thought was is the grittier uh, these individuals were the less likely they would be to have turnover intention they would be resilient mm -hmm. and, and things like that especially in healthcare and in public safety you need to be more resilient have more resilient workers so um, i kind of saw grit as a, as a crosswalk Type construct to like measuring that resilience, how strong somebody yeah. can be to persevere and continue in a workplace. 
that was my hypothesis is that grit, you know, would have a relationship with turnover intentions. It would have been an insulating one <laughs> where people <laughs> with grit would be less likely uh, to have that turnover intention. Your hypothesis, though, was that it would be a positive relationship, that that when a person has that resilience and, and they have some passion for their position, in this case as nurses, that it would be associated with a reduction in turnover intention because this is a person who's, you know, they've got the resilience, they have the passion for what they're doing. This is the kind of person that we think is just going to stick with it. So let's go back to the moment you reviewed your data for the first time. Where, where were you? Were you at, at your house, at your apartment, at school? Like help paint the scene. I was at home. And the data collection had been a, a long and, and rough process uh, to begin with. Um, it, it took much longer than a sample size needed to make it all work out. And so, you know, I was super relieved. You know, I felt great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was your yeah. first. That was your first clue that something was about to go wrong. You felt great. You're ready to look at your data. A pinnacle moment because it had taken so long to work up to this, and so I, I had used SurveyMonkey. So I downloaded that information. Uh, I got everything onto you know nice and organized on my in Excel, and I was just going to simply uh, score the assessment. <laughs> and you know, we, I wasn't even looking yet at regression analysis or, or putting it into SPSS, which is what I use for the analysis of it, but mm -hmm. just simply scoring. And immediately I could start to see some interesting things in scoring. I could see that the, you know, the group itself, the sample was largely dissatisfied with their work. I had relatively unremarkable scores for things for the, the other variables like a grit and self-efficacy. Nothing really stood out to me. So, you know, I converted it over and, and put it in SESS and ran the regression. And <laughs> I was like, I must have scored the assessments wrong. Like, I <laughs> <laughs> So your first reaction is, okay, this can't be right. Like, oh, yeah. I must yep. have screwed something up. Yep, absolutely. I reloaded everything probably several times. I rescored everything several times. I went back and read the rules for the scoring. You know, what did I do? convinced that there was something incorrect somewhere. And unfortunately, after probably like 30 times, it, I just kept getting the same result. How are you feeling at this time? Mixed emotions. Yeah, I was, I didn't know. I didn't know if something had gone wrong <laughs> and it was going to be okay. But eventually I assume, you know, after you've checked and double checked everything, say, okay, well, this is this is what the data is telling me. Like, how did you try to make sense of that? I tried to look for any other studies out there that would have found some kind of similar result, something that I could lean on to support what I had found, and for no other reason in that immediate moment to validate my, me. <laughs> and like, like, how did I, how did I get this so wrong? Like, what, what was I thinking? You know, I wrote so many pages about this, and yeah, you know, I, I must have had no idea what I was talking about or thinking or, or whatever. And finally, I spelled it out and I sent it off to my committee chair. Mm -hmm. And I said, can you just, can you look at this? I've been all the way around this thing a hundred times. And like, this is what, this is what I got. This, it is what it is. And thankfully it was like, this happened. You're okay. The results are the result. You don't touch anything. <laughs> don't try to manipulate anything. This is what you found. And, yeah. and she's like, if nothing else, it's probably even more significant than what you were trying to prove. Uh, yeah. I'm glad she said that because I was thinking the same thing when, 
you had first shared the results of this dissertation. That was my first thought as well, which was, well, if grit did predict turnover intention, be like, okay, great. You know, that's a nice, neat little package. Good for him. Good for the dissertation, all that. But this is actually quite a bit more interesting. And it got some really interesting conversation going on LinkedIn as well about like why seems like common sense would say those with higher levels of grip would stick it out longer, have lower intentions. And your data showed the reverse, right? Obviously, the results were very significant. And the real big relationship in that whole regression model was grit. You know, I, going into it, job satisfaction was going to be the, the pretty predictable outcome and the, the fairly stable struct in there. And I wanted it to be there so that I had something that kind of grounded the whole thing and something to compare the other two predictors to in that study. And so job satisfaction acted like it was supposed to. Uh, and yep, as people became more dissatisfied, they had higher levels of turnover intention. But even that relationship was not as strong as the one between grit and turnover intention. That too just added to the surprise element of it all. You know, it wasn't just a small connection there. It was the strongest you could see in a regression model like that. So that just added to the panic I had at first and, and then the seeking validation from somebody somewhere that I hadn't messed something up. Um, but the more I really dove into it and tried to find other research and tried to think about it, and I lay that out in, in chapter five of the discussion section of the dissertation where, you know, a person's grit aimable and what passionate about and what they're persistent about is not necessarily their work. And mm -hmm. certainly in a post-COVID era, which is when this data was collected, people, I think, were at that point of starting to reevaluate things in their life and maybe look at work a little bit differently. So these folks who had high levels of grit were saying to themselves, you know, I don't, maybe I don't need to be here or I can do better than this. If yeah. my workplace is this hostile or this unsatisfactory, I can move on and I'll be okay. Once you start thinking about possible explanations, then after a while, they all start to sound kind of normal too. Like, oh yes, of course, but it's only through work like yours that we get there. I think as your, your committee chair mentioned, if this had come up with the relationship in the expected direction, it would have been one of those things that people read about it and they say, yeah, whatever. Like we really need science to know this. Everybody knows that. This is why we do the science. Sometimes we get surprising outcomes. And this one was definitely a big surprise for you. And it probably felt like you had a, a model in your mind of how you were going to finish your dissertation. And, and I'm guessing that a correlation in completely the wrong direction was not part of that plan. Oh, for sure. I mean, it required even a re-examination of the lit review. And, you know, I had at the sort of at the conclusion of the writing, I was looking for other source material that had found some competing thoughts about grit and how it could be applied in this type of situation, whereas the bulk of the research out there is that grit is a great predictor of successful outcomes and positive outcomes. And certainly from the perspective of the employer, where it's not a desired outcome, <laughs> They want to retain folks as much as they can. So it definitely required a, a pivot there. As I pulled myself away from it and looked at it a little bit more objectively, it made a lot of sense. Like, well, yeah, grittier people are going to see themselves through a bad working situation. And that's going to mean leaving more often than not, probably. I'll be really curious to see if anybody picks up the thread and does some follow-up on it. I wanted to ask you, you know, this is a scenario that I think 
just about everyone who starts graduate school, when they know they have to write a thesis or a dissertation, that they dread this. They fear it. And as somebody who has been through it, I wondered, is there any advice you would give to, to students who live in dread of what if the, what if the data really doesn't fit? Yeah, I, I think you, you learn something no matter what. And that is the goal of becoming a researcher. If, if you're chasing this career pursuit in, in academic sense and you're doing that work, you're becoming a researcher and you're creating new knowledge. You're becoming a creator of information rather than a, a consumer or even a commentator of other existing information. And so in that sense, regardless of what your results are, your results are always meaningful to the body of knowledge that's out there. It doesn't matter what the results are, we're going to learn something here. I'm sure it was genuinely terrifying for Andrew for a little while, but he's hit on something that is just really genuinely exciting in our field. So, Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. I really appreciate this opportunity, and thank you so much for the advice and the experience you've shared. Thank you, Ben, for the opportunity. I appreciate it. And hopefully, just like anything else, hopefully it helps someone out there facing the same situation. So if folks would like to get a hold of you to ask you a question or see if you're interested in an opportunity working in public safety or with fire departments, what would be the best way for them to get a hold of you? I am super accessible on social media. I'm a pretty avid user on LinkedIn. And I, I think it's a great space for folks in uh, in IO to connect with other IO professionals and to share our what we know with non-IO professionals, which is certainly something of, of value to the working world right now. So yeah, I, people can easily find me on LinkedIn or, or even Instagram or Twitter, whatever, whatever the flavor of the day is. And it's at Andrew Holter, at Dr. Andrew Holter on, on any of those platforms. Thank you so much, and congratulations once again, Dr. Holter. Thank you.